Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ACC Now podcast. Uh, this is Steve Wiseman from the Raleigh News and Observer, the Deep Beat writer. I'm pleased to be joined today by Chris Batola uh, from the Sirius XM ACC Now show. Not related, but we also talk about similar subjects. So. Uh, Chris, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing great, Steve. Down in uh, can't be can't be bad. Down in Amelia Island here for the uh, for the ACC meetings and. Can't, can't get uh, worse than that, man. That's right. That's a that's a good life. Uh, that's a good <laughs> life. It's, uh, you know, I, I saw you on the road a lot when we were uh, traveling the NCAA tournament, uh, right. San Francisco, New Orleans, Greenville, every all the places we were. That was a good life too, wasn't it? So we, uh, we yes, had it great, sure was. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great experience. So let's start off with uh, 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 the ACC meetings where you are. Uh, important work going on down there. I mean, there's so many things going on in the college sports world right now. Uh, that uh, uh, need to be addressed. And I think, you know, NIL, Alston payments, uh, where the ACC headquarters is going to be, <laughs> um, yeah. a lot of things like that. Uh, just what are you looking at, uh, you know, as you're down there and, and, and hearing things and, and, you know, what might be going on this week? Uh, as yeah. Yeah, I, I think all of those things you mentioned are are probably top of the list. Um, you know, it's funny. Dave Dorn was on my flight here, and um, you know, I was kind of asking him the same question. Uh, and he he ticked off. You know, those the, the NIL is big. The tampering, um, I think, is something that the coaches want to address. Um, so you've got those those big picture types of things. I think the other thing too for the league, Steve, is is revenue and trying to figure out. I mean, look, they're not going to be able to, you've seen the numbers that the big Ten's about to sign. You, you know, the numbers that the sec has done. Um, so they're not going to be able to close that gap, ne- gap necessarily, but how can you compete in a world when, um, you know, two of the power five are, are separated that much financially. And so I think that's another thing that the league, you know, it may not be a near term solution, but it's something that the league is going to have to strategize because as you know, I mean, money, money talks right now in this business. And if, if you're, if you're separated by that much, um, you know, you continue to fall farther behind, I think is the conventional thinking. Right. And, uh, uh, my colleague, Andrew Carter, uh, from the news and observer is down in yeah. Allen too. We were talking about that yesterday uh, about that's something he's looking into too, is that, that we're not that far away from the sec and the big 10, you know, being billion dollar a year industries, mm-hmm. uh, I think they're almost up to seven hundred, eight hundred thousand a year now. So it's it's not you know it's progressing quickly, and at some point you know, maybe they're they'll both be making twice as much as the ACC does in a year. And I know we're talking about lots of money. I mean, the ACC is not not a poverty league by any stretch of the imagination, but but when you're competing against somebody and they have that much more revenue, and it's just going to keep growing from that point forward, uh, you know, you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. There's no way around it. You can. You can try to be more smart. There's a, there's there's ways to do it. You know, we've seen it in other sports, the Tampa Bay Rays in baseball, you know, win at a smaller rate, but but it's harder. You put yourself, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it really makes it more difficult. So, um, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, obviously, uh, it's all about TV money. The ACC is locked into their contract until the middle of the next decade here. Whereas mm-hmm. the other leagues we're talking about are, are up for renewal, and that's where they're going to get big increases in, in revenue. And it's almost like a catch-22, like the ACC maybe wouldn't exist without the grant of rights deal that, that you know, signed that contract out until 2035 or 2036. Uh, but yet now, because of that, 
they're kind of locked into this, uh, you know, almost death spiral with the, the other leagues making yeah. more money. Uh, you know, so that's that's one thing they're going to have to look into is maybe trying to renegotiate that deal or, or, or you know, add another school maybe to, to, to try to trigger something that way, I think. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's tough. And I think the league has engaged ESPN about it. Um, there's not much, if you're ESPN side, there's not much they're going to do uh, about it. Um, like you said, unless you hit, you hit one of those triggers. The other thing too, Steve, you know, where I am saying this now in hindsight, um, now I, I feel like perhaps John Swafford should have seen into the future a little bit, a little bit better because you, you essentially, not only did you enter into this deal, but you entered into this deal for a linear television network when everybody right now is, is trying to figure out going over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you spent all of that time without Comcast. So you were limited in terms of, of your eyeballs uh, over, for a long at the start of your network, which was, I think, prohibitive. Um, so that's the other thing. You know, you're, you're, you've got that gap in terms of revenue, but, but you're also you're, you're talking about a linear television network that is still trying to is in its infancy. Um, so it's, it's a tough spot. And, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's hard to find s- solutions. And I don't know if you and I are, are going to sit here and find them, but it's <laughs> something that, that the league is going to, uh, you know, obviously have to discuss. Right. Absolutely. Um, one thing that, uh, that I know they're discussing is, uh, you know, maybe getting rid of the football divisions. That's probably not, that's not a big revenue thing, but it's important yeah. forward and trying to, you know, um, maybe, you know, increase the importance of the ACC championship game, maybe get more eyeballs on it that way. Uh, if you have better matchups, uh, then, then whoever comes out of the coastal and, and right now there's an imbalance, obviously the, the Atlantic's been the stronger of the two divisions for quite some time now. Uh, and so that kind of makes that championship game, not maybe as attractive as other ones because the matchup isn't very good. Right. Uh, so right. that's one thing they're talking about. I know. Um, but then that, that, that leads to scheduling and regular season matchups and, and, uh, you know, teams playing each other more often than they do now, which I think is something that obviously would help the league, uh, for sure. Um, for the longest time, there was a hesitancy to change the divisions. I know some of the old guard, Kevin White, example. Uh, I talked to him about that a few times, and he's like, this was maybe five or six years ago, and he said, you know, we're just getting to the point now where maybe a cab driver in Pittsburgh knows which division pits in and, and or isn't in, that kind of thing. So why do we change now? We'll mess everybody up, you know, to start over. But, um, you know, I think it might be time because of the scheduling aspect of it, right? Duke and State don't play each other once every eight years or whatever. That shouldn't happen. Just what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, I, I think at the end of the day, we have to create matchups in college athletics and football. I, I think basketball is more the extreme. But even in football, I, I think there's two things. First of all, outside of the division conversation, you know, I was even a little bit cynical about the alliance and the idea of an alliance and how, how is the alliance a, a proportional response to what the SEC did in, in heisting Texas and Oklahoma. But I think if, if you, if ultimately a, a scheduling component to that alliance can come out of it and create these matchups I'm talking about, this is where revenue is created. It, it's not necessarily, it, obviously the SEC and Big Ten are driving it, but it's because of the, 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 the brand names in those leagues uh, in terms of football. The mm-hmm. ACC doesn't have it. It has, it has obviously Clemson and it has Miami and Florida State to a degree, but those programs haven't been very good. Right. Um, so you, you've got to figure out a way to, to create matchups. Getting back to the divisions, and obviously um, Florida State and Miami are a component of that. You know, 
the, the divisions were created with those two programs and their, their power days in mind. You don't have that. Now, I, I think both programs would obviously like to get back to that point, but you also have to create a, a game. If you're going to do a championship game at the end of the season, Steve, you've got to have the two best teams in that game. It was one of the great byproducts, one of few great byproducts from COVID, from the pandemic, is you ended up getting Clemson and Notre Dame yeah. for a second time in that game. You know what I'm saying? So you got yeah. the two best teams. So I, I think ultimate, and then to your point about these traditional, not maybe not rivals, but these traditional schools that should be playing each other more often than they do, that's, a, a, again, to the point of creating these matchups. And I think that's where the league, I think you're, you're much better off. Nobody's, look, nobody's growing up, no matter what Kevin White says. And obviously, you know, I have great respect for him. Of course. Nobody's, nobody's growing up saying, man, I really want to play in that hard coastal division. Or I want to play. Nobody cares about the divisions. They, you're going to a league and you want the two best teams representative at the end of, uh, of those seasons, I think. Right. And I, and I think uh, uh, we're talking about, again, this, this goes back to the revenue aspect of it too. If you're getting, if you uh, rework the schedule, uh, you can go back to your TV partners and say, look, now we have, I mean, I'm talking about regular season schedule. We have more attractive matchups maybe now than we did before. We got maybe, maybe you go to nine conference games, maybe, you, you know, do something yeah. with the Alliance with uh, non-conference games every year with the big 10 and the, and the back 12. Uh, which can be more attractive to a TV partner and say, okay, let's re- let's look at this again. Let's see if we can squeeze some more money out of it here and there and try to move up that way. Uh, and then in basketball, you mentioned the Alliance. Um, you know, we already have the, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, which is terrific uh, for, for decades. We've been doing that. But uh, I think they'd like to get something involved with the Pac-12 uh, in that too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's something where, you know, football schedules are done so far in advance. We talk about, oh, there's a series just set for 2035. Okay, well, um, how about something now? Basketball's done year to year. You can you can move in a little quicker and, and get something going in that department. Maybe maybe get a non-conference matchup with you know the ACC and the Pac-12 or the, or, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 uh, in, in that department. So that might be a place where the ACC can can move up in in uh, in revenue as well. Yeah. Well, and I think specific, specific to basketball, you know, basketball has got to get creative um, with, with how it schedules. And, and I've, I've sort of thrown out the idea um, and, and you've got to, you've got to play those matchups outside of the football window. And, you know, we, we've gone to 20 conference games here in, in the ACC, Steve, as you know, and, you know, it's largely a regular season championship that nobody cares about anymore. You know, right. like, it doesn't mean anything with the unbalanced schedules and it just doesn't mean anything anymore. And so what you're doing is you're playing these regular season games at a period that nobody cares about. Most of them in this league are played in front of half empty gyms. They get no television viewership. I mean, these are the numbers. This is not my opinion. This is the facts. Right. And yet, and yet we're playing the bulk of those games, Steve, in, in, you know, January, February, and March, where we are now starting, or hopefully we would be starting to get some of those football eyeballs. I think you got to reverse the schedule. I think you got to start playing a lot more of these regular season games in November and December. And then in the back half of the season, now you start playing these out of conference games, be it ACC Big Ten Challenge, be it Duke Gonzaga, be it North Carolina playing in the event that they do, the CBS event that they play in. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the events that need to be played in January, February, and the beginning of March. Then you, you don't have a situation, theoretically, where 
now all of a sudden we're trying, the, the ACC has a bad non-conference schedule in November, December, and then we're trying to interpret what Wake Forest beating, you name the team, what that means. Right. Whereas now you get, you, you allow those games to be played in the regular season. Nobody's really watching those games anyway, because it's football season. And again, some of the, most of those games don't really move the needle. And now all of a sudden you, you've got that sort of view of, okay, there's, there's conference play. Now, all of a sudden in January, February, March, now we're playing meaningful games where now a committee can look at, oh, wow, Miami has gotten a lot better. Look at the teams they're now beating versus losing to Alabama by 30 early in the season or some of these uh, conference games that they lost. So I, I right. think college basketball needs a much more drastic look at how it schedules. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. And it's a good point about um, kind of flipping the script there a little bit, right? You can yeah. turn it around and because I know, you know, already the ACC is backing up some regular season games into December. Uh, they start the first weekend of December now with the 20 games. Right. They try to play some teams play two or three in December. Uh, and, and I know the first year of the ACC network, they started off playing opening the season with conference games. Remember that? Uh, yeah. In, yeah. in November. And, um, but you're right. It's, it's all about, kind of you know rewiring everything i mean everything has momentum because it's been that way forever right teams you know we don't want to uh interrupt the conference schedule by stepping out and playing a non-conference game that used to be a thing oh you're going to miss the mentality of the kids i don't think that matters anymore i don't think it matters at all and and, and, yeah go ahead no i was just going to say it it, it, now that i'm on this side of stuff i mean as you know i spent five years at duke so you see as as a as a Coach and, and coaches are resistant to that because they saw the non-conference as preparing them for the regular season. Right. And because that, that's, you wanted to win a regular season championship. But, you know, again, with, with 15 teams in a league and playing 20 conference games, it gets lost in the ether. You will scoop up in November, December, you will scoop up those diehard ACC fans who care about Georgia Tech playing NC State, uh, you know, to open the season. Mm-hmm. Those you're going to get those fans, but to get the the great and now that I'm in television and I see these numbers and and I care about the growth of the sport and how the sport is is viewed, you're going to get the greatest number of eyeballs when you're creating these types of marquee matchups that I'm talking about, and that's where the the alliance can come in. Now all of a sudden you can get not just ACC Big Ten Challenge, but how about UCLA and North Carolina playing outside of or 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 Duke and UCLA or Florida State. And in Indiana, you know, in a non-ACC Big Ten Challenge game, these are the matchups we have to create. Yeah, like you know, home and home, Duke and UCLA. How great would that be, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> like that'd be a lot of no fun. Question. I think everybody would get into that, and uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and other you know teams in the conference too. So, and, and you mentioned something earlier on, on the same subject about how what happens in the non-conference season kind of sets everything in stone for the RPI. Well, not the RPI anymore. You know, I'm talking about the the net. Um, and, and so, and we just saw it this year with ACC basketball, where what happened in the non-conference set the tone for the whole rest of the regular season. It didn't matter what Wake Forest or Miami did; they couldn't offset what they had done in the in the non-conference schedule, right. and then it impacted their seedings. Or, or you know, Wake didn't make the tournament. You know, even though they had a, they had a great season. Uh, uh, and so, if you do this other thing where you're playing some non-conference games in January. Uh, then they have a chance to to overcome that or, or, or yeah. change it around. Teams teams about. should be making their mistakes in conference play now. Again, that it, it, the the methodology was coaches didn't want to make their mistakes in conference play. 
you got to make your mistake. You got to learn. You got to get better. You got to get better through losing in the conference. Yeah. So that when you're out of the conference, you, you, you've got to win those games. I mean, I think what we learned this year, Steve, is the ACC has to be better in the non-conference. They have to schedule better. They have to schedule smarter. And they have to win those games. And I think you got to make your mistakes early and learn more in conference play. Right. Absolutely. And that, again, is different thinking. And also, you've still got a chance to win a conference championship, even if you make mistakes at conference play. Of course. Because there's course. a tournament. <laughs> yep. Of course. So you can make up for it right there, no matter where we yep. go. Um, <laughs> great. Well, uh, you know, uh, on the subject of basketball, um, you know, we're, we're heading into the offseason here where, you know, lots of change again, uh, uh, you know, with, with Duke specifically. Carolina went through it last year with yeah. Roy stepping down and Huber taking over immediately. Um, you know, Coach K announced his plan last summer. He coached his last season. They made the Final Four, uh, which, which you know, it was one of their goals. Obviously, they it didn't end the way they wanted it to. It's going to be tough for Duke fans to get over that for a long time, uh, you know, losing to Carolina in the Final Four and losing the last home game. Uh, but uh, John Shire is now in place. Um, I know he, uh, they're working on their schedule. He seems like he might be open to doing some different things with the schedule. Uh, maybe playing some non-conference games, uh, on the road in, uh, that, that, you know, wasn't the case in the past. So, um, there's things happening here. Just what, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on John taking over and kind of where, where the program is headed now that, uh, that coach K has stepped aside. Yeah. John's really, really smart. Um, and John gets it. And, and so I, I think the, the fresh look, I mean, you, you alluded to it there with the scheduling, like Duke has to start doing some things differently and not, not because they weren't good under coach K, but I think there's, there's gotta be a refresh. The, the first thing that I think, you know, John was really smart about is hiring people who were Shroggy's not necessarily outside Duke, but obviously spent a lot of time outside and getting a much broader perspective of the landscape. I think getting Jay Lucas is is huge, I, I think, for John, because I think that program internally needs a fresh set of eyes. Um, and again, that's not they didn't they didn't they didn't need, you know, that fresh set with Coach K because he's seen everything. I mean, right. you know, so he can keep hiring his guys and that's who he trusts and young guys and all that. But I think if you're John, I think going and getting Mike Shroggy, who's um, you know, as we know, has seen so much and then getting Jay, who's, um, really coming into Duke with a fresh set of eyes. I think that's important for that program. And I think John, I'm impressed. I, you know, I hadn't, I haven't talked to John about that, but I'm impressed that that was sort of the direction that he's going. Um, they got to figure out the portal, man. Like I, 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 I don't know if bulking up on these freshmen is going to be a long-term solution here. Look, you may get a one-off, you know, obviously they won the title in 15 with a mix. Um, this year was, I'd call that an outlier, to be honest with you. I mean, they, they, nobody saw that run coming. They made a great run. Their, their NBA, you know, players ended up playing like NBA guys in the tournament yeah, and they made yeah. a really nice run, but he's got, they got to look at the portal. I think that's the next step. Like I, I like Ryan young, Ryan young is not going to, if, if they're playing Ryan young more than 15 minutes a game, they're in a bad spot. If, if they're playing, you know, catchings more than 15, 20 minutes a game, they're probably not in a great spot. So I think they've got to, they've got to relook that portal a little bit and how they, how they recruit. Yeah. Cause they're using it, you know, as depth more than anything else. That's, that's kind of what they, right. this, this uh, routine they've gotten into. I mean, uh, Theo John, you know, turned out to be a very uh, uh, important part of last year's team, but again, 15 right. minutes a game, right. That's, that's all he needed to play. 
if he was playing more than that, that's because Mark Williams was in foul trouble or whatever. And right, uh, you know, Mark, <laughs> Theo wasn't Mark. Theo was a good guy, but he wasn't Mark. So, <laughs> and, yep. and same thing with uh, you know with Ryan Young coming in this year. So um, I know uh, you know we had a press conference with John last week and, and the assistants and talked about that. And he you know he kind of you know said yeah we're open to anything you know we can do here. We got you know we're looking at everything and we'll see uh, we'll see what happens with it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, that is an area where. Um, we'll see if they, if they adjust because, you know, once they've gotten into this thing of building with freshmen every year, it's hard to change that momentum and, yeah. and they're maybe going to have to, cause I know, and you know, this, there's part of the Duke fan base that would wish they wouldn't do that all the time. I mean, you want the best talent, but it also can hurt you at tournament time or whatever. When you go through rough patches during the season, there've been times when they've had great rosters that that didn't achieve their full maximum potential because something went haywire in the middle of the season. I always look back to like Jason Tatum's team, right? Just to go deep there a little bit. Uh, yeah. you know, he was hurt at the start of the year and, uh, uh, Marcus Bolden was hurt that year a little bit. Uh, coach K had to take time off. He had a back surgery member and that's the year they lost to NC state at home. Uh, and they turned it around and they won the ACC and they lost to South Carolina in the second round. But I mean, there are many examples of where, things went a little bit haywire in the regular season. They could never recapture it. And I don't know if it's because they were young or whatever, but um, uh, I know that's, that's frustrating for a lot of, a lot of Duke fans that they can't, they couldn't do that. Yeah, no doubt. I, and I think John was getting to that a little bit after the season, talking about the type of player, you know, guys, more cerebral guys who understand, you know, offense and can, can sort of, you know, improvise and play, play well together. The other thing, I mean, Look, I don't know if, if the game's going to become less physical next year. I don't know if the, what the point of emphasis will be, but the, the game of college basketball overall was incredibly physical this year. Yeah, um, you've got to be older to, to in order to to deal with that. You've got to you've got to have guys who have, have had some reps at this level, you know, in order to, in order to sustain that. So, you know, look the the, the talent is is um, it's it's the bright shiny object. It's attractive, and like you said, it, you're not going to turn those guys away once you've created that momentum. It's it's hard to, but I I, I think they're going to have to look at that because it's I don't think it's a you're you're going to have some outliers like I would call this year that, but you're I think you're more likely to lose more often than not. Right. Uh, just a few minutes here left with uh, with Chris Spatola. Uh, with uh, I want to ask you one more last thing with with NIL with. Uh, if that can maybe alter this where maybe a kid will stick around a year or two extra that he wouldn't before, because there's yeah. a lot of money to be made there. I guess that's the other X factor here that could, that could change this, this momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I think you're talking about a smaller percentage. You know, we're talking about the, 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 the sheep ways in terms of that life changing money, especially in college basketball, where you're like, okay, should I forego this? The one thing it's doing, Steve, and this is where I think people, it, it, it it became, and what agents were selling, it was no longer about, well, I can make you a first round pick. It's not even about, I can make you a second round pick. These two-way contracts have changed the calculus to the point where all we got to get you on is a 10-day. No, this is what the agents began to sell. We just got to get you on a 10-day. And then they've got these two-way contracts and you'll eventually you'll be able to hook on. I think where NIL now comes in is... Uh, I'm either going to be, you know, in the G League, riding a bus from from Boise, Idaho to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and grinding it out, um, make for you know maybe a little bit more money, 
but now all of a sudden you've got NIL for, for some of these fringe guys. I mean, look at what Baycott, I mean, you know, guys yeah. who are, are fringe picks and they're like, well, wait a sec, I could come back. In the case of Baycott, I can live like a king coming off a, a final four national championship game. Uh, I can make some money here. And, and by the way, the travel's better, the food's better, the, the lodging's better. I mean, it just, it, so that's where I think now the NIL kicks in for, you know, for some of those guys. Right, right. And that could, you know, that could help college basketball. Let's face it. You keep, see, keep some guys in there, keep some experienced players. Uh, something that, you know, fans, the, the older fans um, have not, not liked how there's so much turnover every year. And now you can't, you don't know who's there on a roster from year to year. So maybe that'll be good for the, for the sport. Well, listen, Chris, thank you again for taking time with us today. Um, yeah. It's a pleasure to be with you. I, I've enjoyed, uh, I've been honored to be a guest on your program. Um, so I, uh, I appreciate you coming on uh, with us here on our podcast uh, and, and, uh, and everything. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're one of our favorites, Steve. I appreciate it, man. And, uh, and thanks, for, thanks for asking me. Okay, very good. That wraps up this edition of the ACC Now podcast. I'm Steve Wiseman from the Raleigh News and Observer. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening.